0: My beard has definitely reached terminal length, which makes me sad because it's, like, it is barely long enough to, like, braid like a Viking, and I want it to be, like, <laughs> a little longer so it fits that braid better because it's so dope.
1: Yeah, and you can't, like, blend it in with, your, like, your happy trail or anything. Yeah yeah, 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 It just, it is what it is. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah.
2: This is a Flight Director. We can launch status check. The CLCDR checking all stations are man ready. Give me a go-no-go. No go. Talker?
1: Roger.
2: FSC? That is it go. Capcom? Oh, get- navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh- Don't-don't
1: worry about uh, that, we're just gonna- Wait, 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 what, what, what? Uh, you said, what, what, what? See?
2: Welcome back to Space Castle, your club and for all things nerdy. I'm Alex. I'm DT. I'm Seth, and we have things to talk about.
0: I have uh, like lots, but you go. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I want to
2: talk about. I want to talk about a, a, a little bit more serious topic. Maybe it's not serious, but we, we, we take serious things and make them not serious here. But uh, are, are we
1: moving on from nipples to the more hardcore genitalia? Yeah, yeah. Belly button, sweet. I'm so speaking so.
2: Well, it depends on the type of art you are most interested in. Oh. <laughs>
1: Hello, OnlyFans. Goodbye, OnlyFans. <laughs> Goodbye, OnlyFans. This is the question here.
2: It's, it's can you enjoy art despite the artist being not good, not a cool person, not Ooh. a rad yeah. individual? Can That's you separate? Can you separate art from ethics? Are they part and parcel? Are they? different can you enjoy one and not the other that's the that's the thing it's a it's a hard topic i
0: have i've thought quite a lot about this topic actually yeah same
2: it's gonna be a good one we'll start us off seth what you got
0: uh first of all uh it's complicated (laughs) you don't don't say (laughs) um okay so to answer your question directly real fast First, can you enjoy the art without the artist? That's what I want to talk about.
1: Can that is the you... subject Alex introduced. Yes. Can you?
0: <laughs> yes, but he also said, "Can you separate the art from the ethics?" And I don't think I think that's a question wrongly put. I do not think that that is a worthwhile thing to to pursue because you
2: can't. Well, hey, check your rhetoric here, lawyer Seth, because uh, we're gonna get it deep in this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you you can't uh, art is deeply entwined with ethics as like almost by definition the the question i think that's more interesting to ask in that is should the same ethics apply for the art to like your everyday life like for example if you meet someone who's a piece of shit or does something shitty like the things that you would do in real life is that the same things that you should do for the art in question if the artist is shitty
1: like are we talking about jared leto mailing used condoms to his fellow (laughs) actors and shit like what are we talking about here
0: i don't think that that is under question that seems pretty ubiquitous
1: okay i mean we could talk about whether or not what sasha baron cohen does is borat is ethical the way he tricks people with the interviews and whatnot because i i don't have a problem with that honestly because it more or less acts to expose the assholeish side of people that he kind of <laughs> deals with. Yeah. Uh, but I think the point Alex is trying to get to and what I, I would personally like to delve into as well would be whether or not it's whether or not you can absorb it in your own ethics to enjoy and and purchase and support the art of somebody you know is not a good person.
0: Yeah. And should you? Like should should you and can you? Cause that like I, I go back and forth like there's there are definitely pieces like works of art that I enjoy knowing the artist is bad like uh, Dali is a great example I love almost all of Dali's work but he was a misogynistic piece of shit D- should that matter can I can I move past Dali's personality to still enjoy the art that he produced. I go back and forth, man. And it, I don't want to say that it's like case by case, depending on your personal persuasion of the day. Like, but that's how it feels sometimes. And I think that's why this is such a difficult question to address.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. There is a, there's a big discussion. There's a lot of, um, community discourse around, uh, Orson Scott card in the book community. Yeah. Um, Because Ender's game is one of the most, uh, you know, well-read sci-fi uh, books ever written. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed the fuck uh, out of it. And it and it has spurred inspiration for many uh, new, similar, and or completely irrelevant um, science fiction and fantasy books. And a lot of people point to to Card as like a major influence for them. But his politics have been in question many times. Um, you know, his his particular beliefs aside um, the way that he puts himself out there in the community and in his public writing has, has garnered a lot of sort of uh, opposition uh, because he's not very friendly to the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not very open um, in terms of his uh, approach to, you know, some touchier subjects for some people. Um, And when you have somebody who has been so formative for many people in their youth um, or one of the first, you know, maybe his book is his books or Ender's Game was one of the first science fiction books they ever picked up. How are they supposed to respond and feel about that? You know, can yeah. you still appreciate those books knowing that, you know, maybe you don't necessarily agree with um, the author's intent?
0: Yeah. Or even if that is, his in the work like even if the intent of the author is irrelevant like i there's an argument in another episode to talk about whether author's intent with a book matters at all but we'll get to that some other time
1: well i mean that's a good topic to talk about here is whether or not you can separate the author's general points of view because they're going to influence their writing like there is some mm-hmm. Even if it's not intentional, it, there is some subtext in the writing, just, just inherently. Absolutely. And, right. and
2: there are authors that talk about that on a regular basis. I'm glad you brought it up, T.T., because that in that community of, of uh, not just the book community, but in, in the author community specifically, there are a lot of uh, advocates for this mentality that even if you didn't intend it, if you put in subtext in your book that is very clear um, that your opinion is such uh, and you you are advocating for one particular thing, then that's on you. Like you have to accept that, you have to um you have to circumvent that or or counteract it. You have to play devil's advocate in your own book, otherwise you're letting it run away. Right. So there's um there's some responsibility in your authorship there. To chime in on the opposite viewpoint
0: here. I I think that narrative almost is an exception. And the reason I say it like that and the reason I bring it up at all is because What about the opposite? There are several books and stories written about terrible, shitty people doing terrible, shitty things, but that's not the author advocating for that. Like, like uh, I just I finished Stephen King's memoir not too long ago, and he talks about it specifically where he used to get a ton of hate mail because some of his characters would like kill dogs and say like fucked up shit to. people all the time. And like people, people would send him hate mail and he would a- always respond to it and be like, it's the story. This is the character. Like, it's not my viewpoint. So it clearly there is a, a divide there between mm-hmm. the author's viewpoints and lifestyle and the work that they have
1: made. To the best of my knowledge, Stephen King is not a shithead. I mean, he might be, who knows, but to the best of my knowledge, he's not like a horrible person that people generally despise. Uh, the people I know who are, you know, very well read and literate, they have like pictures of him on their wall in their studies or they have like Funko Pops of him or something. And he's regarded as a decent human being. So a decent human being writing shitty people comes off different in interpretation than a shitty person writing shitty people or even a shitty person writing good people, because you know that Stephen King's intent is good because he's a good person. It, it That goes out the window when you know the author or the singer or... The, the, the actor, the director is a shitty person. You don't know. You can't trust them and their viewpoint. You can't trust the message they're trying to get across. And at that that's what happens with me is when I can't respect an author or an artist or a singer or an actor or a director because I know they're not a great person. I, I, I can't separate that. I just can't. I can't separate that from their art. Try as they might. Uh, there's a bunch of huge big name actors that we know are not really super cool people. And it's hard for me to enjoy even their biggest and most popular films because I can't disassociate what that person's done or what that person's doing in their public and personal life versus what they're doing on screen. I just can't.
2: Yeah, Well, there comes a point, I think, when you think about like, oh, Christian Bale is a rock star. He's a great actor. I loved him in The Fighter and in, you know, a lot of the material that he's put out there. But I hear he's an asshole on set. You've seen yeah. there are videos out there that are pretty, you know, and people can change and whatnot. Art is subjective. Everyone says, but can you separate that? I think it depends on how much you're digging into it. How much do you actually, how much do you actually care? I mean, at the end of the day, also think about not knowing like ignorance is bliss. Sure. But the, there there's the factor of like, I'm maybe eight years old watching this movie from a director. Who's a complete piece of shit, but I won't know. I might appreciate that movie. But when I find out, does the glass shatter? Am I am I changing that? I'm going to change my opinion. For me personally, I wouldn't want to engage in those stories anymore. But, you know, that might be different for other people.
1: I had a big thing growing up as a big movie fan when I discovered that Alfred Hitchcock was a big uh, misogynist and abusive towards the women on his set. Hmm. And just not a good guy overall. Like harassing them and stalking them and just being not a good fucking dude.
2: Yeah yeah and here's a guy who invented montage like he 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 invented part of the language of film and and still you're like
1: "Mm." i know that's one of the hardest ones for me is trying to try and i i don't want to be that person who can easily reconcile who that person is with their art like i would love to be able to say like you know fuck vertigo fuck you know you know north by northwest but he's so, and it fucking sucks to say this. He's so deeply ingrained in the thing that I probably love most in the world, and that's movies. Second most, number one's probably beer. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like I know he's a fucking piece of shit, and I, I've tried as an adult, I, I guess watch his movies less and try and 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 know that there's there needs to be a disconnect there between who he, he is as a person and my appreciation of his movies because. I know he was a shithead. He's a horrible person. And he made amazing fucking movies that influenced the movies that I love and will continue to influence movies for the end of time. But he's an asshole. So, yeah, for me, I, I became much, much less of a fan of his films. I understand the, the historic and pop culture value of them. But as pieces of art, they are greatly, greatly diminished, in my opinion, just subjectively.
2: Well, I think also taking into consideration that movies is a medium incorporate so many more hands of artists in their completion than do than do books and just like paintings or what have you general art
1: that's fair yeah well let's 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 bring up another another subject real quick if we can uh it's one that's been happening ongoing very publicly right now and Ah. that's the situation with with blizzard entertainment the makers of diablo and world of warcraft and whatnot Mm -hmm. they've made some of the most popular and beloved games of all time Uh, many of which people are still playing. There's a bunch right now, including the Diablo 2 remake, which people are super excited about. What do you do in this situation where you know the heads of the company are complete fuckheads and they're abusive and horrible people and you don't want to buy their games, you don't want to support them, but at the same time there are hundreds and hundreds of artists who are just slaving away making these games because they're passionate about them. You could say, yeah, those people can all just quit that company or whatever, but it's such a competitive and difficult field to get into that. Those people are super lucky to have those jobs. And if you stop buying those games, those people can't feed their families. So what do you do there? That's, that's a really fucked up situation.
0: Plus most of those people like enjoy being there, like making that specific game for that specific company. It's just the aspects of it that make it shitty. So like boycotting the video game completely diminishes and destroys the work of those hundreds of people who like deeply care about the thing that they're making
1: but at the same time you don't want to perpetuate the practices of that that company that that employs those people it's a double-edged sword
0: in gaming like in this situation a little bit more specifically the solution most likely lies outside of a purchasable product it most likely lies in unionization of the developers.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much of that responsibility is on you as the consumer? Like the onus is really on you. It's in the same thing with climate change, right? Like I, I believe that global warming is happening, but am I actively taking steps to make sure that I have a minimal or zero carbon footprint? Not regularly. Like I shut the lights off when I leave the room, i turn off all the fans, you know, but they yeah, there's there there's a lot there to unpack. But I think about the um you know, to use another example, this like antagonistic through line that I see in a lot of books that I've been reading recently where the bad guys is they're always the for the greater good people. Mm. And that's that's something that you you see regularly come up in antagonistic forces. You know, think about rail barons overworking their you know, Rockefeller and who whoever else overworking their uh, employees to the point where they start to try to unionize. Um, yeah, th- that happened. It was terrible. And he got filthy rich off of it, yeah. which is why he's called a rail baron. But at the same time, there was a lot of progress made in terms of our ability to distribute goods um, and our ability to uh, transport people from one side of the country to the other. You know, there, there's that conversation. But um, I still think at the end of the day, like, not a good person.
1: Yeah. Uh, we still have rail barons today. And <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure all three of us right now are are all podcasting and, and working from equipment that we all bought in Amazon. Yep. You know, it's, yep. it, it's one of those things where Amazon completely revolutionized the retail industry and it made it so much easier and cheaper to buy products that we use every single day. And they have completely ingrained themselves into our everyday life. The argument is there to be made like... Has it been ultimately for the greater good? Like we existed perfectly fine without Amazon. The convenience of it is amazing, but at the same time, it's 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 progressing, and we're we're profiting and we are benefiting on the backs of others. Yeah, and, and I mean, it comes it comes right back to the whole artist argument. Like you got these directors who are horrible and, and tyrants and treat their actors like shit, treat their crews like shit. Actors that do the same thing. Uh, you get rock musicians who treat their fans like shit, but they're so deeply a part of everyday life and pop culture and just cultural identity that how do you separate that? Like, and should you and can you, and I don't know, it's a fucking slipper slope. This is a really interesting topic on, on like all fronts.
2: I think would, yes, should, yes, could, maybe not. Like that's the, that's the thing, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, you, you need to.
1: Industry is uh,
0: almost, it's hard enough and different enough that I think it's, it's almost a different, question entirely from art versus artist trying to separate your daily life from amazon is a very different idea than trying to separate jared leto's horse shit from the movie he made true i I, I, (laughs) like
1: god that movie fucking sucked yeah oh god thank you james gunn for coming back and just like just giving us opportunity to wipe that original piece of shit just from our collective Consciousness.
2: This is a great example you guys are bringing up. James Gunn is somebody that came under fire for some comments that he made at one point. So, like, he—I've
1: got thoughts on that for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know you guys were going to have, con, you know, there, this is going to be a point of contention, but I'm I'm bringing it up because it's relevant and, and it was it came up organically.
1: Let's do this. Yeah, because then we can at him on Twitter and maybe he'll jump in and talk to us. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, there, but there's there's a threshold I think is where we're going to get to where wherein you have to take into consideration that the, um, the beliefs and the feelings of people that were sort of victimized and, or felt affronted by something that was said, but this is comments that he made on Twitter. I think I, I don't actually know the entire story, but th- I know that he was under scrutiny. So it's, it's interesting now we've kind of come full circle. So he's one of the few cases that I can think of, of somebody who came under scrutiny and then still kind of continued to move forward with their career, um, having cleared some, some things up. You know, Ansel Elgort is another one that is, you know, in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story coming out soon, um, went under scrutiny as well. What was Ansel Elgort in trouble for? What did he do? Uh, sexual misconduct with a uh, minor, or just mis- communication. Ah, uh, you know. Baby Driver. Wait,
1: Come on. Why are you ruined Baby Driver? Did he take lessons from Kevin Spacey on the set of that movie or what? Fuck off, man. Jesus.
2: Oh, and that was the thing. Is like Edgar, poor, poor Edgar Wright makes one of the best movies he's ever made, and right. And then, and then here's Kevin Spacey and here's Ansel Elgort sending nudie pics to a 17-year-old. So, Okay. I
1: mean, how, do you, how do you handle that situation? Because Edgar Wright is a, a fantastic director. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. He's made some of my favorite movies. And I still want to support Baby Driver because I fucking love that movie. Yeah. But is it ethical to continue to support that movie with both Kevin Spacey and Ansel Elgort both profiting from it?
0: Ugh! I don't think <laughs> that this is a question of ethics for two reasons. One, that movie is already made. There's no stopping it from happening. It is already done and out there in the world. And we've all seen it. But... I don't agree with that, that logic, though. Hold on. More importantly, I don't think it's a, a question of ethics. Because this is a problem of humanity. Where a group effort... You can't fully discount the entirety of a product based on one or two members of a very large group, because there is shitty people in every group. So you can't just ignore or stop supporting a thing that was made by a large number of people. If the problematic portions of that are not the consensus, if Hmm. it's one or two people in a group that are shitty, the group and their effort is not shitty It's the one or two people. If the one, if those one or two people are leading the group or speaking for the group or what have you, and like it, it is a this group feels this way or at least is on that path. Then that's a different question. But I don't think it's a thing with of of ethics because it is a group effort that's already been done. That is why you see Kevin Spacey not in movies anymore because that the things that happen can affect him. And his stuff that's not already finished.
1: Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. Well, the point I was going to make, the part, the point I was disagreeing with with you about that you just actually solved, was the idea that let's say a movie is about to come out next week, and today we find out that the the writer and director are a horrible, shitty, like, misogynist, abusive people. What I thought you were going to get at was like, well, the movie's already coming out, so. Damage is done, whatever. Let's go see the movie. And I'm glad you didn't say that because no. I love you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> but that's I not, understand uh, your point of view yeah. now. Yeah. Because that's yeah. not an
0: accurate statement to say. The, the yeah. It's... I
1: just don't want I don't, to... I don't ever want to ever condone the thinking that, you know, oh, the guy did something shitty, but what he, he did is already out there. So I may as well just buy the CD or watch the movie or, you know, no.
0: Exactly. Here, I'll give you an example. We'll just keep going with Baby Driver.
1: Sure. Saw the
0: movie in theaters, bought the Blu-ray... I now own that Blu-ray. Yeah, I do too. And then after that, I found out about Kevin Spacey's problematic f- whole life. <laughs> I have already contributed to his career by purchasing Baby Driver. That is finished. That happened. So should that then diminish my like enjoyment of this movie that's already happened?
2: I think... And this is unfortunate for the the overall artist or the director, or whoever you think is is fully um, culpable for the um, the audience's response. But I think yes, right? Like I can't go back and watch "Horrible Bosses" now and see Kevin Spacey and laugh at those scenes because yeah. he's he's a dick. Like I can't look at those things and be like, "Oh, that's funny." And and I can I can laugh at the jokes and and appreciate Jason Sudeikis or charlie day or whoever else is uh jason bateman all the jennifer aniston all those bits they're hilarious right but whenever kevin spacey's on screen i'm like ah this asshole and i think about that right like it's it's, it's as if i were walking through in my life and i saw a sculpture and i thought this is a really interesting and cool artistic contribution to the world what a great sculpture and then i went and i had some sort of eye surgery my eyes were opened i don't know right and i come back (laughs) And I realize that in greater, are you Jameis de- Winston. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jameis Winston. Let <laughs> me eat this W really quick. Hold on. <laughs> and in greater detail, though, th- this sculpture now actually looks pretty horrific, and it cut a lot of corners, and it's crappy. Um, and in aggregate, all of that doesn't look right. I don't. Kn- I no longer appreciate it in the same way. I see some of the uh, lines and curves and stuff that that are uh, appreciable. But at the end of the day, I'm not as jazzed about the holistic art as a whole.
1: Uh, just to wrap up the, the, the thoughts on Kevin Spacey in particular, uh, American Beauty is a rough one because mm-hmm. he plays somebody who is going through a midlife crisis and he's trying to hook up with his, his high school daughter's best friend. Uh, Love the movie when it came out. Thought it was an excellent piece of art it's really fucking difficult to watch it now because Mm -hmm. we know Kevin Spacey is a pedophile. It's awesome. But I still support the careers of of Sam Mendes and and Alan Ball. I think they're both fantastic artists. Uh, Thankfully and luckily, they were able to continue on with their careers and they've still made amazing cinema after the fact. So it's easier for me to kind of disavow American Beauty. Mostly just, it's still a great film, but mostly just because it's really uncomfortable to watch Kevin Spacey chasing after like a 15, 16 year old girl Knowing what he's been doing in his career, so yeah,
2: I think that that that's it, right? Is that you can still consider it to be a an excellent film, but it's not one you will recommend to other people, right? It's not like, or if you do, you have to present it in a way that says, take into consideration that Spacey's a very large contributor in this film from the acting perspective, and that it might not sit well with you considering. X, Y, and Z. Um, Yeah.
1: That's another, another point of discussion is perpetuating support for that piece of art too. Like I can't do that with American beauty. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. It's a tough question, man. So like should, for example, um, if, if I have never seen some random Dali painting, but I know that he's a bad person and I come across one of his paintings in, a museum in a situation like that, my response tends to be, Wow, this painting's really cool. Oh, it's by Dalí. He was a piece of shit though, uh, but does that mean that I'd like the painting less now? Maybe does that mean that I just see that painting in an entirely different context, but it doesn't make it like less masterful of a painting? You know what I mean like I was yeah. gonna to kind of bring it back to your sculpture analogy, Alex for me it's more like you see this beautiful work of of sculpture out on the park you're like wow these curves are great and this depiction of you know whatever icarus is amazing and then you go home and you're like oh look up what this other person's done there's some other sculptures and you find out that this person's a, a piece of shit and then the next day as you're walking home you see that sculpture the lines are still the same like it's still the same sculpture the art is still gorgeous but you have a different way to contextualize the art and that I don't know if that quote diminishes my appreciation of the art, but it definitely recontextualizes it. And I'm not sure if like how that actually affects it. I think that is why I'm struggling and why it's so case by case is because it's a new context. It's not that the art is different. It's that the context of that art is different. It's very fair. Do you yeah. think
2: though that that art is inherently an expression of your inner self? And because that's, that's an important distinction, right?
0: I don't think that art is in its entirety an expression of your inner self. I do think that art does express parts of your inner self. Obviously, that, that's what makes it art instead of like manufacturing. But I think that an artist is capable of making a thing that is not a reflection of themselves.
2: Which is how we get IP writers. So. <laughs> <Fair>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the comics industry. It was shit, fuck. Yeah. Speaking of the comics industry, I, I want to clarify the James Gunn situation wherein he he is known for his his biting satire, his very offbeat off-color humor. We know he's a decent person aside. Um what he was quote-unquote busted for on Twitter was making some really really off-color jokes that um weren't even noticed at the time but what happened was he got uh i don't know what what they gotcha or like he wasn't doxxed or whatever but uh he starts he (laughs) starts speaking out well it was an attempted cancellation because he was speaking out about trump on twitter so all the all the trumpets out there all the trump supporters went combing through his social media and they found those off-color jokes and they brought him to the forefront as an attempt to get him canceled um the thing is is like the dude started out as like a trauma director if you're not familiar with Troma, they're, they're, you know, B movies that are very graphic, very gory, very off color, very, very, I'm just going to say trashy. And I say that lovingly because I love old Troma movies. But Disney knew what they were doing when they hired the guy to, to you know, to make Guardians of the Galaxy. This is a guy who made Slither, yeah. which is fucking, fucking me, disgusting, just, but I love that movie. He but, just went
2: down the Peter Jackson route. That's all.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, he he's not a bad person.
2: I think that's the distinction.
1: Yes. Again, that's what I'm saying. It was I don't want to say it was performance art, but it was for the sake of entertainment that the jokes he was making. That is, again, an example of a good person, you know, bringing to the bringing to the forefront and exploiting off color stuff for the sake of both humor. And I don't want to say attention, but just that's what he's known for. Like, but he's not a bad person. So,
0: yeah, it's a very, very thin line and it's a very hard to distinguish line. Right. Is like doing saying a thing for the joke versus saying a thing. That you mean is very difficult to distinguish. I think in James Gunn's case, there was plenty of, you know, documentation for lack of a better word of his life before and or after that shows that this this isn't the way that he actually feels. This is for the joke. Exactly. Yeah. For somebody like Dalí or or um, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, for example, uh, they That's a good example. They say things <laughs> like that, right? Or they use off-color language and their books or whatever, but they don't have that track record of being a better person outside of that. So it basically is like, uh, you don't have, you don't have any way to give them the benefit of the doubt. So therefore you're only left to assume that the shitty things they say are the shitty things they mean because they haven't proven otherwise over years and years of effort. It's tough, man. It's a really, really hard thing to distinguish and a hard line to to
1: find. Right. In James Gunn's case, I mean, you go back and you look at those tweets and there, there's a distinction where if you know his career, you know, the type of person he is, you can see they were just black humor. They were in very poor taste. Don't get me wrong, but they were for the sake the sake of humor. But if you don't know him personally, you're not familiar with him and you just know him as a Disney director, then you're like, Oh, what the fuck was this? Yeah. But the people who brought those to the forefront knew exactly what they were doing. They know exactly who he was, and they were deliberately trying to get him in trouble with Disney because they didn't like the fact that he was speaking out in politics.
2: Yeah, his media soundbites at its at its best.
1: Exactly, wildly taken out of context.
2: I think there's a there's a communal aspect that we we've touched on a little bit, but haven't really like dug into, and that's that's like if I if I go around and I call like a couple of my closest friends, "Oh, you asshole? Like if I told that to you guys, you'd be, you'd laugh it off. You'd, you wouldn't even think twice about it. But if I told every person that I met, like if I called them all an asshole, like at the end of the day, in aggregate, I am a person that is calling everyone something that may not, may not make them feel particularly good. Right. And if altogether my behavior is such that it makes the majority of people feel unwelcome or unwell, Then that's a problem, and there's the. I bring that up because there's this. There was this issue uh, to to bring it back to books, as I tend to do. In 2020, when the con circuits were all canceled, um, there were a handful of authors that really got put under the axe because of their behavior and because of the way that they had interacted with fellow authors and some of their community, and um, some of them came through and kind of came out and said, I apologize, and there's no real excuse and um, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, there are a few authors that no longer have a career, that, that have no more publishing contracts. Their agents have dropped them. Their book releases that were coming out around that time flopped. Um, and that's just by nature of a few people saying, look, this doesn't really sit well with me, and your behavior crossed the line. And their art, therefore, has been pushed to the background. So it's sad because some of these authors are people that I had interacted with personally, never had a had a negative experience whatsoever. Right. Uh, in fact, the opposite, I had very good experiences with a lot of these people. But at some point you, you have to, you have to understand, you have to believe the the victims when they, they come forward. You have to believe what they're, they're talking about because I'm not, you know, privy to a lot of the um, I'm not as susceptible, I guess, uh, it, as my like six foot tall white heterosexual male um, privy to some of the uh abuse that that comes around a lot of times and yeah, and in those cases, you have to take into consideration what's going on like i've stopped purchasing novels from those authors um, and i I've not engaged on social media with them, but at at the end of the day, you know can I still enjoy their old media i I don't revisit them, you know. I don't go back. Yeah. I'm moving forward. There's plenty of other amazing art in the world. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of where my, my head goes.
0: Yeah. It totally comes down to that for me. There are a few exceptions, some movies. There's not a lot of, you don't have a lot of alternatives for that space, but for authors and and paintings and stuff, uh, you know, more like that, it's a lot easier to be like, Oh,
2: and games. Yeah.
0: This, yeah, this, this novel or whatever. I'm just like, I'm just not going to revisit or I'm not going to purchase in the first place. Like it sounds like it might be interesting, but in context of the creator, then like I can't enjoy it anyway, so why bother? That kind of does bring me to another question though, which m- might actually be an entire other topic, and I just want to talk <laughs> about it quickly because we can run long on this uh and continue to just go in circles because this is an issue that there isn't a solution to, right? So what about people that are proven problematic in the fullness of time where at the time they made their art or were alive or whatever that particular thing or their ideology was just regular ass day-to-day life people that had like problematic ideas or used words that have since changed meaning um like uh like the f-word for example
1: not fuck the other I say fuck all the time. I was actually going to bring up like Eddie Murphy's very, very famous stand like, Yeah. Like performance where he's throwing around that F word a lot.
0: That's a good example of kind of what we're talking about. Um, does, does that taint the work knowing that at the time, like they aren't bad people. They're just using the colloquialism at the time. And now it's, it's realized after the fact that that's not a great thing. Like do, how does, how does that land? What ha- Like,
2: I think you're right that it's a, it's an a extra, topic because there's also the opposite you know there are assholes that that sort of are the prodigal sons of the artistic world and come back and find themselves and come back and apologize and say i was wrong i i think growth is
0: that is entirely different thing people change and that's that's different
1: yeah yeah it was always bad but it was socially acceptable and and it should never have been but we've evolved societally to realize it that those terms are are fucking wrong yeah
0: But does that actually affect things that are considered terrible people now? Like if, if a person did that in a more recent context, does that make it okay for that same thing to happen in a older context?
1: No. Agreed. Yeah. I am interested in the preservation of those works as examples of how we've evolved as a society and as people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't want to throw those all away and say they never happened for the same reason that I don't want Texas to throw away Martin Luther King Jr.'s fucking speech. And I apologize to all the Texan listeners right now, but that's that's fucking horseshit. I am fully invested and fully in support of 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 preserving and keeping those types of works that show us examples of how things used to be mm-hmm. and how things do not need to go back to that. Yeah, that that type of stuff was was acceptable and it was the norm but it was never right and now we've evolved to understand the fact that that was never right and if we get rid of it then we're forced to repeat history because we're never going to have those examples of things that were wrong right those things that were wrong are just going to somehow inherently become right again because that's just how people work
0: that's kind of what we're saying and i, I want to jump in here real fast that does not include things like statues of robert e lee being preserved right it's like that's that, a totally different thing. That yeah. isn't a, that's not a perpetuation a of a of right, the bad shit. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to know that that thing happened, take a picture of it, put it in the, in the museum or whatever. You don't have to continue to
1: have that statue in your town square. No. Take the statue, put it in a museum with a plaque that says this guy was a fuckhead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do that. Exa- yeah. You know, Here's a statue of a guy that was erected, to glorify him and we do not need to glorify him because we've grown and we're better now. Fuck that guy.
0: I am a huge fan of preserving art. Like I quite literally fight hard for it. even shitty art by shitty people because I think that the art itself is important. Either that's a sign of how we've grown, that's a sign of the times it was made in or whatever. The the problem is celebrating art or Enjoying that shitty person's art is kind of the question here. Preserving it, I do think, is for for the most part, is an important thing to do. Uh, It's it's the reasons why and the the context that it is preserved in that matters.
2: Seth, I've got some uh, crayon drawings that I want to show you.
0: I (laughs) speaking of preserving, yeah. If you want to mail them, dude, I'll put them on my (laughs) fridge.
2: I'll have to send <laughs> corresponding magnets <laughs> yeah. that say make more art, which is Dude, basically his uh, tagline for life.
0: It basically is. I'm working on a tattoo design around it, actually. Nice, but, Yes, make more art is, is kind of a tagline of mine, and that includes preserving art that is made. I do think that the art itself is important. I don't think that that means that it should be celebrated.
1: So in conclusion, uh, burn your Elvis albums. Never watch another Hitchcock movie ever again. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think we have solved it. I don't there think there is. An, we I don't think solve. there
0: is solved. I think that's a. It's a decision everybody has to make, and it does need to be made case by case, right? Yeah. You can have discussions like this to help you kind of better outline your own rule set in your head, find those boundaries, and figure out where and how you want to operate. But you have to. You have to decide if listening to Elvis is worth knowing that he was a piece of shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, he uh he he hooked up with a lot of underage girls. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You you also have to be willing to listen to somebody who says this is a shitty person and maybe you should invest in other art. Um take that into consideration. Just find out. Why? Why was he a shitty person? Is that true?
0: If it is? Yeah, well, guess what? You have new knowledge now.
2: <laughs> and there are other things that you can invest in.
1: But I also just want to point out that we're not here to judge anybody who is able to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. If you're somebody who's able to do that, more power to you. Um, I would actually love to engage in conversation with somebody who's – or multiple people yeah. who have that sort of that sort of point of view where they're able to separate the art from the artist. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, at SpaceCastlePod. Or if you want to do it privately and send us an email at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com, everything will be like completely confidential. We just want to have that discourse. I'm curious about the opposite point of view. I mean, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. That's what we're doing here every week is just discuss- discussing topics that intrigue us. And hopefully they intrigue you as well. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if you completely disagree and you think the art is totally fine regardless of the artist. I mean... There is no right or wrong answer here and that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it valid enough for us to talk about for almost an hour. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: you could also uh, agree with us and inflate my growing ego, which would be <laughs> just
1: excellent. He is in fucking corrigible and just insufferable as soon as we get off this podcast. It's awful.
2: It's a litany of I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I want to I want to know cuz that's it's not a it's a thing that I end up doing sometimes. Is separating the art from the artist, and I never, not never, but I oftentimes don't have a good reason why I did that or why I can do it for this particular instance. Yeah. So I'd like to talk to people about it to see kind of what what they can help me figure out.
1: Yeah. Oh, hold hold, hold up, uh, that was really fucking good timing. Apparently, <laughs> we've got a transmission coming in from Earth. I wow. I think
0: our I think our ship's <laughs> AI is just just you know waiting for us to finish. Very respectful AI.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, let's check this out real quick. Cool. Uh, that was a very informative and uh, hopefully uh, lucrative transmission from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> this week, actually, uh, I've been doing some deep space exploration, gentlemen. Are you guys interested in hearing what I've I've discovered? No, of course I do. Yes, please. In uh, in my secret room that neither of you are allowed to go into. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. I mean, you already came out. Just tell us what you got. I have discovered what I thought was a band, but after doing a little bit more research, I have discovered it's a one man band called Nostalgica. And it's one dude in Sweden who has been uh, spending years and years doing these amazing, fantastic Slash metal covers of classic video game songs. <laughs> Did you say chiptune slash metal? Chiptune slash metal. What? Like oh. And it's really fucking good too. It's the dopest shit I've heard in a long time. Like there's a bunch of chiptune musicians out there um, covering like NES tunes has become really popular. You got the mini bosses and whatnot. But while I was just kind of cruising around through Spotify, I discovered Nostalgica. And it's just this one dude doing these fucking amazing dynamite covers of everything from like NES all the way up to like PlayStation, Xbox, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, he does a bomb ass cover of like uh Doctor Wily's theme from Mega Man Two. <laughs> uh, he does some absolutely bonkers shit from Super Mario sixty four, and what? he just makes it fucking work, and it's Let's brilliant. Like, I go. can't get enough of it. Yeah,
2: yep. Never heard of it. Going to be checking it out right. That's after. absolutely
1: nostalgia, yeah. like NES, NES nostalgia. So he's got that that a cut in there as well for like that. You gotta have. If you're a metal band, you got to call yourself something all right <laughs> right? Metallica, oh, yeah. His,
0: dude, this album art is dope as shit.
1: <laughs> it's really fun. Like, the whole package is just amazing. Yeah. Nostalgica. Nostalgica. Like, check him out on Spotify and wherever else. I, I imagine he's on iTunes as well. I had a really busy work week, and I discovered this guy on Monday. And I'm still listening, like, on full repeat, like, his entire, like, discography, his whole catalog... All the way through until we were starting to record this podcast. Yeah. Like the dude is just fucking out of his mind. Awesome. It's fantastic. Really, really great shit.
0: Absolutely. This is, could not be more in my wheelhouse. (laughs) Totally.
1: Yeah. He's going to blow you away. The shit is just awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And he does like, like mismatches and like, um, like, like, uh, mashups of themes of different like video games and shit. Like, uh, he'll like throw in like Legend of Zelda all of a sudden and it just fucking works. Like oh. the dude's just masterful. And I cannot believe it's one guy playing all these instruments and doing this shit. I really thought it was like a full band because the dude must be just a goddamn master at like everything from like drums to guitar to synth to, to bass. Like it's insane. We have awesome. nerd
2: prints. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: Metal bands are the best. Let's go back to that previous episode where we were talking about music. I want to talk about metal.
1: <laughs> it's just so much fun, man. Yeah, yeah. that was the best.
2: All right, check out Nostalgica, N-E-S. Nostalgica. Do it.
1: Yeah, I've
0: already bought a t-shirt. That's not entirely <laughs> just, true. Just in the just time now? during this podcast <laughs> while it was airing. <laughs> not entirely crap, true. Man. I would have if he had any. He's got a band cam, so he might have merch.
1: I don't know. He's been around for a long time. No
0: merch that I can find. Or I, I quite literally would have already purchased one.
1: <laughs> Nostalgica. When you listen to this podcast, make some t-shirts because we'll buy them.
0: Yeah, I,
2: want, I yes. want them. Or link me to them because I can't find them. DT is yeah. ready to, to bust out them design skills for Nostalgica. Um, I would
1: do it, man. I love this man. His music is fantastic. I just hope he's not an asshole so I don't have to try and disassociate him from his art. <laughs> See how I did? Uh, full circle, yeah, motherfuckers. You
2: it back in. I'm so impressed right now. We're pro- we're professionals. Spe- speaking of the sur- <laughs> circuitous <laughs> nature of this podcast, <laughs> can we? uh can, can you guys ready for a listener question?
1: <laughs> I am always ready to have our friendships threatened. Yes, this one yeah. comes from
2: my incredibly hot wife, Sammy. Uh, which is uh which Spider-Man is best? Ho- oh no! Back up! Back, whoa, 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 up, back up!
0: Back up! Back. Hold did up! Hold up! Did you just say that your wife listened to this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. What the
1: heck? I need to watch my language. Do we have to stop talking about nipples? <laughs>
2: no, she appreciates okay. it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Give which, me a question. Sorry. Which Spider-Man is best? And I, I like I, to clarify on her behalf. You've got your Tobey Maguires. You've got your Garfields. You've you've got your Hollands. So this is a film. Which film Spider-Man? Which film Spider-Man? Not which comic book Spider-Man? Not which iteration of spider-man mm. which actor film actor spider-man is best
1: no I'm sorry i'm going off book for this one all right that's fine <laughs> i'm going off menu all right do it you, what, guys, you, you guys can go ahead you no
2: substitution seth you're up first then
1: all right all right um
0: i will stay on menu because i have a bland palette that way um hot take i think tom holland is the best spider-man that's ever been put to film Okay. Uh, Show actually, your work. That may actually not be that hot of a take, but uh, I think Tom Holland is is the best Spider Man put to film, and in this essay, I will attempt to convince you as to why. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. First, he is the right age, quirkiness, and like athletic type person to really fucking sell Spider Man. Second, his Queen's accent even for a British actor, is fucking impeccable. It's perfect. Unlike many of the other Spider-Man actors who don't even fucking bother. Um, third, he's an excellent actor. So the hardship that Spider-Man goes through as a, as a high schooler trying to figure out how the fuck to save the world and still, like, be a regular nice guy, Tom Holland can, can do that and really convincingly put that to screen. I can go on but I f- I don't want to monopolize.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Alex. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat as Seth actually. I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man for me. Uh I think a, uh, there are elements of both Toby Maguire and Arger, Andrew Garfield's performances that I really appreciated. But I think mm-hmm. Garfield was too cool and, and I think that's just in by nature of his persona and his the way that it was written. But yeah. um but then toby i think like both of them kind of fell into this like they're meant to be teenage actors and to me they're i don't know andrew garfield was closer to the mark i think than toby mcguire seemed but both of them seem to be sort of a little bit more matured in their their acting and not necessarily believable is you know you i couldn't imagine them in the role in avengers end game with uh, opposite yeah. tony stark right i don't like, i don't feel do so good yeah would not have worked if it was toby mcguire and I think Tom Holland just nailed it.
0: I think that they ate. I mean, they aged up into college for at least for Andrew. I don't actually remember if Raimi's Spider Man was in college or in high school, but
1: both. They, uh he graduated high school in the first movie, yeah. and in Spider Man too, he was in college and also doing photography and shit.
0: So they they at least made an effort to kind of fudge the story a little bit to to kind of account for the age of the actor. So that at least kind of helped.
2: Yeah, I th- I think it was perfect for how it evolved naturally with the films and not wanting to tell the same story again, because Tom yeah. Holland's origin story of Spider-Man, I don't think would have come off as well. And I think that if you were to stack up the same stories, I might have a different answer, but yeah. given what was shown on screen, I liked Tom Holland's version um, better than the others. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that that's the case with flash with Mary Jane, even though I like Zendaya, like, I don't I don't think that that's the the case across the board, but I I do like his depiction of Spider-Man. And I I like his relationship with Aunt May.
0: Yeah. I think it's great. I think I think what they did in the MCU version is is kind of what I had been wanting the whole time, which is why I chose that. All right, DT, but you're a
2: contrarian.
1: First of all, let me let me say that we are in um you know, we're we're in sync as far as Tom Holland being the best Spider-Man committed to film, like actual film movies. Uh, Tom Holland's by far the best one we've had so far. Uh, and it's it's not even due to writing. Um, Toby McGuire was a little too flat, a little too bland for me. Um, but it also has to do with how it was written and how it was mm-hmm. directed, honestly. Like Sam Raimi bought, brought that 1960s comics, you know, gosh, gee willikers, bewilderment yeah. to the character, which was honestly kind of an- anachronistic, kind of weird for me. It kind of pulled me out of the movies.
2: And there's too much angst injected right. into that first one, I think.
1: Spider Man is is angsty, but not that angsty. It's, uh, it, it's difficult to to strike that balance between Peter Parker being angsty, but also really enjoying being Spider Man. And they tried to do that, but like Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire's Spider Man was just so horribly raked over the coals that it almost became like like superhero misery porn. Like <laughs> it was just so fucking brutal. Like nothing in his life could ever go right. Like he never had a chance to enjoy being Spider Man and have a good time. Um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was, was too cool for school. They went too far the other direction where I had a hard time believing he was going to be bullied because he was yeah. like the dope skateboarder kid who like got along with everybody. And there was no discernible reason for Flash Thompson to want to bully him. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. They went too far. They missed the the mark completely. That said, I don't think he was a bad Spider-Man. No, I don't think he was a great Peter Parker. But as a Spider-Man, like he had the he had the New York accent, like yeah, exactly. he had he enjoyed himself being Spider-Man, swinging around. He was quipping, he was thwipping, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing all the shit that Spider-Man's supposed to do. But the movies themselves were just fucking trash. So I feel really bad for the kid, um, Tom Holland. I, I think Tom Holland as Spider-Man in Civil War. Is without a doubt the best Spider Man committed to film. I am not a fan of the Spider Man movies that came since because I think they lean too far in multiple directions and they kind of screwed up the character in a lot of ways. We'll have to but talk about in that. In Civil on War, episode, I want we've to. talked about it before, but in Civil War, I think he's pitch perfect. That all being said, my Spider Man, my favorite Spider Man of all time, and I don't know, maybe I'll catch some shit for this because it's still relatively new, is, is Yuri Lowenthal the guy who did the voice of Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the PS4 game, Spider-Man. Fascinating. To, to me, I think Yuri Lowenthal as Spider-Man is equivalent to Kevin Conroy as Batman and Bruce Wayne in Batman the Animated Series. I think oh. Yuri just absolutely fucking nails it. I love that performance. And I love the, the way the story is told in that game. I, th- I thought it was just fucking phenomenal. It, it shot up to my list of favorite games of all time. It was easily my favorite game of that year when it came out. And still, I think Yuri Lowenthal and I think the writers of that game just fucking understand Spider-Man in a way that none of the writers and directors for the, the feature films actually do. So yeah.
0: That is a fascinating take. I yeah. having, having yet I'm to I'm a fascinating guy, you know. Eh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> having yet to dust off my PlayStation 4. I haven't played Spider-Man. You what the
2: fuck? I'll get to it. I'll dig I'll dig my PS4 out of the closet. There is also an important distinction that we have not discussed, which is into the spider-verse yeah i thought that's what you were
0: gonna say because that my that particular miles morales as spider-man is fucking
1: phenomenal and honestly jake johnson was really fucking good as peter parker too but it's 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 an elseworlds spider-man which i guess you can say about all of these
2: i hold it i hold it distinct from the like primary three live actions but i i bring it up because it is my favorite spider-man movie yeah
0: i i I think that Into the Spider Verse is my single favorite Spider Man thing. Period. Yeah,
2: I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's amazing. I, I I absolutely loved it. So the
1: PS4 game is my favorite like iteration of Spider Man ever. But Into the Spider Verse is really fucking good. And uh, yeah, props to uh to everybody who's involved with that.
0: It makes me so yeah. mad at Sony. Because... Are you
1: sure that Nicolas Cage is Spider-Noir or <laughs> yes. like Spider-Man Noir is not your favorite Spider-Man ever?
0: I am sure because he kind of dicks out at the end. But True. it makes I'm I'm like legitimately <laughs> upset at Sony for like stifling Holland's Spider-Man trajectory. It like makes me Ugh. like sad and upset because we could have had like several like Marvel excellent movies, but they're just like Sony's like, uh eh. Nah, we'll kill it. we'll kill our darling instead of trying to make
2: some money off of him. Yeah, you can't play with my puppet. This is my. Yeah,
0: puppet. it makes me so like upset at the potential wasted.
1: I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm not going to get into them because they'll make <laughs> people angry. And there's already enough reasons for people to be angry at me in this episode of this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we,
2: I think we could talk at some point about studios and their effect on film. Uh, yeah. we talk about movies a lot here, but like you know, there's a lot to be said about Dune and what's happening with Warner brothers and hbo max yeah um so
1: fuck it i'm just gonna say it i thought <laughs> venom was a terrible piece of shit and everybody who saw it in the theaters and gave sony their money is just encouraging sony to yank spider-man away from the, the mcu again Ooh,
0: interesting hot. why do i you know say it's that? coming
1: because they want to build their own like like spider-verse and they're doing it right now they're, they've got venom they've got carnage coming out relatively soon I just know they're waiting for the opportune time to to yank the contract back for Spider-Man and try and build their own universe outside of the MCU. And it's really unfortunate because Marvel is where Spider-Man belongs, for better or worse. Again, I, I don't love, you know, Far From Home or uh, or um, Homecoming. I don't think they're great movies. I think they missed the mark with Spider-Man a lot, but I think they're better than every other iteration of Spider-Man we've had on film thus far. And I think if Sony gets it back, they're gonna go right back to stupid shit like Amazing Spider-Man too. Like,
0: yeah, they they we definitely don't, we don't are. Need that, but but that's the thing is, Sony already pulled the contract back. That's why it was such a huge fight to get a third movie of Tom Holland because Sony took that that contract back effectively, and was like, no, we don't want to do this anymore. We'll find a new Spider-Man. We'll do our own thing later.
1: Right. My point is, everybody who went and saw Venom, and it's not a good movie. I'm sorry. I hate that fucking movie. Everybody who went and saw it and everybody who is going to go and see part two, let there be carnage. They are financially encouraging Sony to think that they're doing good shit, making good movies and that they can do better than Marvel and they can take Spider-Man back and they can, you know, bring the character back, set it back 15 years back to where we were when the Andrew Garfield movies were trashed. And I love Spider-Man and I don't want to see that shit. We're
0: we're in
2: agreement. I think
0: I'm just disappointed at the wasted potential of the best Spider-Man put to film. Yeah, that's it's all. it's
2: because it's because there are very keen, apt writers and directors who understand how to use the material. I think Homecoming was great. I didn't like Far from Home as much, but I I think they understood the material. They understood the Peter Parker that they wanted to put to the screen. What the studio executives are doing is the typical capitalist boomer thing that's been going on for forever. Like, hey, uh, that thing works for somebody else. Uh, I want my own MCU. Like, let me let me have that. I can't tell you how many times I work in a marketing uh, – mar- you guys know this, but I work in marketing as a profession. I can't tell you how many times clients come to me and say, uh, look at this competitor's website. I just want that. Just give me that, but put my brand on it. Yeah. And that's what they're, yep. that's what they're doing. And that's thats not good. You don't get to a good place that way. You don't, nope. you don't satisfy your particular client needs that way. And in this case, the client is us. We are the consumers of that media. And we, we want are
1: unsatisfied.
2: Stuff. Yes, exactly.
1: But a lot of people are going to go see Let There Be Carnage, and they're going to be telling Sony that they are satisfied and justifying this this rationale that, yeah, we can build our own Spidey-verse. We've got all the villains. We've got the rights to all of them. All we just need is Tom Holland. We've got that, too. So let's just yank it away from Marvel again and, you know, do whatever we want. And that's what they're going to do. I, I know that's what they're going to do. I don't
0: think that Venom 2 is going to be nearly as successful as the first one for one specific reason. Watching Tom Hardy lose his mind is very good because Tom Hardy's wonderful that has happened. And the rest of the first venom wasn't good. Set up a sequel that is not interesting. So the, the interesting part of the idea has already played out and there isn't something else interesting to happen. So I don't think it's going to be very good. I don't think people are going to see
1: it. I think they are, and I think people are already going ape shit over Woody Harrelson as, as Cletus Cassidy, and I think it's going to be a hit. I, I I know it's going to be a hit.
2: Wow, I don't I don't know. You have to have a, you have to have put promises out there. You have to have expectation in order for those things to be validated in the end. They might go see. People it, fucking but they won't. love Venom though. But they, they love won't. that movie. Yeah, I heard. I heard mixed I reviews. Do, I
0: do. I do really know. like the idea of Woody Harrelson as Cletus. I think that is a good casting decision. I don't think that that character is going to be enough to carry an entire film, but we'll see.
1: No. Carnage has never been a compelling villain anyway. Yeah, exactly. He's never been great. It was, it's from that era of like the, um, the Todd McFarlane comics where everything was like edgy and like, you know, we have to have mass murderers as villains in Spider-Man now, like that type of shit. Which is
0: fine for the time and the comics, but that's not, that's not a thing that happens now. Like it's not, it's played out. We don't, we don't care. We don't want to see it. We don't see something more interesting.
2: Well, that's, I mean, here's my, my point on it is that I, I know about Moon Knight, right? I know about, um, the, the deep seed stuff about Dune and what the release is happening there. I don't, I didn't even know there was going to be a second Venom movie. That's why I'm thinking.
0: I knew that they set one up,
2: but it'll come out, people will watch it. And I think it'll flop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I knew that they set one up, but I didn't think that the first Venom did well enough to actually make a sequel. So
1: it totally did, and that's that's my fear, that's my worry. Hmm. So, well, but I hope you guys are right though, because I I would love to see Spider Man stay in the MCU for better or worse, but
2: it will be for better. It like, here's what I think. Uh, my challenge to our listeners is put together your script for Venom three and send it to. SpaceCastle at gmail.com <laughs> and other places, Seth, where can they find us?
0: DT's already already tossed it, man. At Space Castle Pod. You can find us on all the places, Twitter, Instagram, our YouTube channel, spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. If you like this kind of discussion, send it to your friends. Send it to
1: your your mom. Hi, mom. Yeah, and hit us up on good pods and PodChaser and all the various platforms. Like we're pretty much available everywhere. You can listen to us right from those platforms. You can also leave us a review and we'll love you for it. Even if it's a negative review and it's full of uh, constructive criticism, please. Yeah. Like we're not just looking for five stars, man. Like tell (laughs) us what we can be doing better for you, our listeners, because I mean, we're doing this for our own gratification, but we're also doing it to engage with the people who are listening to our show. Yeah. And if it can be better, let us know.
2: Expand the discussion, make more art and tell the gas station attendant, the car salesman, your local haberdasher (laughs) yeah that we're making more art
1: yeah man uh i think that's gonna do it for this rather lengthy episode of space castle uh before we sign off just want to as always give special thanks to our good friend brian lovett for his incredible help and and help i'm just gonna say it helping me write the theme song hey hey (laughs) he took credit i'm so proud (laughs) i don't like doing that uh anyway thank you very much to brian lovett for his invaluable help and The theme song you've enjoyed at the beginning and uh, the the end of this podcast, which is coming very quickly. Uh, (laughs) As always, Space Castle is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is DT. My name is Alex. My name is Seth. And we will catch you guys next week.
0: Bye. Love you.